Mainstream financial media outlets in the West have acknowledged, quote, de-dollarization is happening at a stunning pace. That is to say, at a stunning pace, countries around the world, especially in the global South, are moving away from the U.S. dollar. This is a world historic shift that we haven't seen since the 1940s, toward the end of World War II, in which at the Bretton Woods Conference in 1944, the U.S. dollar was established as the global reserve currency. I think this is clearly what Chinese President Xi Jinping was referencing when he visited Moscow this March and met with President Putin and said that changes are happening that the world hasn't seen in 100 years. China and Russia are key players behind those significant changes. And this is being acknowledged even in mainstream financial media outlets. So I'm going to look at a report from Bloomberg and then from the Financial Times and then Business Insider that acknowledges these world historic shifts that we're seeing. This is in Bloomberg. De-dollarization is happening at a stunning pace. The dollar's reserve currency status has fallen precipitously. The dollar represents 58% of reserves held by central banks around the world, which is down from 73% in 2001. The dollar is losing its reserve status at a faster pace than generally accepted, as many analysts have failed to account for last year's wild exchange rate moves. The dollar share in global reserves slid last year at 10 times the average speed of the past two decades, as a number of countries looked for alternatives after the escalation of the proxy war in Ukraine. Now, the war in Ukraine began in 2014 when the West, the US sponsored a coup that violently overthrew Ukraine's democratically elected, geopolitically neutral government and installed a pro-Western regime after the so-called Maidan coup. And in response to that, Russia annexed Crimea, which historically had been part of Russia and was only given to Ukraine when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union along with Russia. And a poll, a study done by Western polling firms that are anti-Russian found that over 90% of people in Crimea wanted to join Russia. And yet the West claimed that this was an invasion and the, the West imposed sanctions on Russia. And that was really a significant step in the move toward de-dollarization. After the U.S. and EU sanctions were imposed on Russia in 2014, Moscow began amassing a war chest of huge amounts of central bank foreign exchange reserves, up to 600 billion in its foreign exchange reserves, because it was clearly preparing for what it knew would be an escalation of this proxy war that the West began in Ukraine with a coup that made Ukraine basically a de facto NATO member. And then Ukraine began talking about potentially putting nuclear weapons in Ukraine right on Russia's border. So the reason I mention all of that is that a lot of this move toward de-dollarization has its origins in 2014 with the Western sanctions on Russia. And when Russia invaded Ukraine in 2022, in this new phase of the proxy war that NATO and the West are waging against Russia in Ukrainian territory, in which the West has hundreds of special operations forces. The CIA is active on the ground. U.S. intelligence agencies are overseeing Ukraine's intelligence operations. They have 
complete control over the war that's being waged. This has been acknowledged in mainstream media outlets, including the New York Times. So the point is that this was really a significant step in the direction toward de-dollarization. And in 2022, the West imposed brutal sanctions on Russia, disconnecting the numerous Russian banks from the SWIFT interbank messaging system. And this has led to Russia and its allies like China and also India and Iran to seek new systems of payment internationally and move toward de-dollarization. So getting back to this article in Bloomberg, the dollar lost about 11% of its market share since 2016 and double that amount since 2008. And here they quote a well-known financial analyst named Stephen Jen, and maybe it's Yen, I'm not sure, but he wrote, quote, the dollar suffered a stunning collapse in 2022 in its market share as a reserve currency, presumably due to its muscular use of sanctions. Exceptional actions taken by the U.S. and its allies against Russia have startled large reserve-holding countries, most of which are emerging economies from the global south, especially China, but also India, uh, Brazil, you know, the, the members of the BRIC system, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Here is a graph that you can see that shows the change in shares of these different currencies. And you can see since the since 2004 a 19% in the share of the US dollar and the euro it has basically been pretty static at the same level it was back in 2004 and there's been an increase in the chinese yuan and also interestingly the japanese yen now this article notes that smaller nations are experimenting with de-dollarization while China and India are pushing to internationalize their currencies for trade settlement after the US and Europe cut banks, Russian banks from the global financial messaging system known as SWIFT. The dollar may become a permanent political tool or be used as a form of economic statecraft to put extra pressure on countries to enforce sanctions that they may disagree with. Now. It, that, that already is the situation. It's not a matter of it may in the future. The U.S. dollar already is a political tool used as a form of economic statecraft with sanctions imposed on one quarter of the global population. If you listen to what Western policymakers say, if you read establishment Washington media outlets like foreign policy or foreign affairs, they constantly say that sanctions are a form of economic statecraft and they refer to the dollar as a political tool. And then again, they repeat that the U.S. dollar represents around 58% of global official reserves down from 73% in 2001. Now, I'm not going to be one of the sky is falling chicken little people who says that the dollar is going to become toilet paper and useless in hyperinflation. Obviously, that's not true. We, what we're seeing is a move toward a multipolar currency world in which multiple currencies are used for international trade and held in foreign exchange reserves. So, uh, again, the dollar is not going to disappear. And Bloomberg points that out. These financial analysts point out the dollar's role as an international currency won't be challenged anytime soon. Now, what do you mean by the word challenged? I mean, it is being challenged as we speak, but it's certainly going to continue to be used. However, they know that the per persistence of the conditions, like for instance, the large liquid financial markets in dollars, 
The persistence of that is not preordained, and there may come a time when the rest of the world actively avoids using the dollar. And they wrote here that the prevailing view of nothing to see here on the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency seems too innocuous and complacent. What needs to be appreciated by investors is that while the global south is unable to totally avoid using the dollar, much of it has already become unwilling to do so. So it's simply a matter of time. But again, it's not going to happen immediately overnight in some kind of, you know, Weimar Republic hyperinflation like we saw in the 1920s. Now, uh, let's let's look at another article in the Financial Times that is uh, quite comically titled simply dollar, a sad face, frowny face. And this is basically the same exact article. It's re it's reporting on the same paper that was released by these financial analysts. But again, it shows, you know, the Financial Times is one of the world's leading financial media outlets. It's extremely dominant. And they they note that the author, one of the authors of this report, Stephen Jen or Stephen Yen, is a very well-known currency analyst who previously worked at Morgan Stanley, the large investment bank that, uh, that went bankrupt in the 2008 financial crash. But again, they note, I'm not going to read everything, just they note there's been a stunning collapse in the status of the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency. They write in their paper, the U.S. dollar is losing its market share as a reserve currency at a much faster rate than is commonly believed. That erosion has accelerated precipitously since the start of the war in Ukraine. The, the stealing, the theft of $300 billion of the Russian central bank's foreign exchange reserves, which were held in Western banks, that startled large reserve holding countries, most of which are from the global south. And they write in the, the paper, what we witnessed in 2022 was sort of a defund the global police moment where many reserve managers in the world disagreed with the conduct of both Russia and the U.S. and specifically with the U.S. not only cutting off Russian banks from SWIFT and imposing sanctions, but literally stealing $300 billion from the Russian central bank. And now they're talking about giving that money to Ukraine. So this was a wake up call to so many countries around the world. Now, I just want to underscore the fact that this paper that was published by these analysts at this firm, which is called Horizon SLG Asset Management, this is, this is a very significant report. And it was also reported on at, by Market Insider, by Business Insider. And they, they put it, the dollar's dominance as a reserve currency eroded last year at 10 times the pace seen in the past two decades. And the article is basically another repeat. So the reason I went through and looked at those reports in mainstream financial media outlets is I want to underscore the fact that investors, mainstream media outlets, capitalists who are, are trying to make money are now very much concerned about the fact that the hegemony of the U.S. dollar system and U.S. hegemony in general is facing a series of crises. And this is not simply something that is being said by anti-imperialists, by leftists, by people who are critical of neoliberalism and capitalism. It's something that, that the Financial Times and Bloomberg and Business Insider is now reporting on. And this is all uh, an economic reflection of the 
political shifts in the world, the geopolitical shift toward an increasingly multipolar world, and the decline of Western political hegemony, which is reflected in the decline of economic hegemony, because they're dialectical. As their economic dominance declines, their political dominance declines, and vice versa. It's a positive feedback loop. They feed each other. And it's not just the proxy war in Ukraine. It's the, the growing new Cold War that Washington is waging on China. It's the rise of progressive anti-neoliberal governments, especially in Latin America, that are seeking alternatives to the U.S. dollar system and trying to create their own currency for international trade. It's the rise of the so-called emerging markets in the global south, which are the economies of countries that were colonized for hundreds of years by the European powers. And then they faced neocolonialism through institutions dominated by the United States, like the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. And we're now seeing alternatives developed to that. I report on these developments all the time. And in the description below, I will link to a report I did on the BRICS Bank, the new development bank, which is moving toward de-dollarization. Again, it's not going to happen overnight. It's gradual, but it's definitely happening. I recently did a separate video and podcast that I will link to in the description below over at geopoliticaleconomy.com that looked at the, the move toward de-dollarization in many countries, including China and Brazil signing an agreement to trade in their local currencies, China and Russia now doing around two-thirds of their trade in their local currencies, China buying liquefied natural gas from the United Arab Emirates through a French company using its own currency, the renminbi. And we also see Kenya is buying energy from the Persian Gulf region in its own currency. The ASEAN Association of Southeast Asian Nations, including you know in Indonesia and Malaysia, are all calling for de-dollarization, doing trade in their local currencies. This is something that is picking up momentum, especially primarily in the global south. Now, I want to respond to some critics and skeptics. There are people who are very well-intentioned, I think, and who are very knowledgeable, who are extremely skeptical of the idea that much of the global south is moving toward de-dollarization. There is a channel on YouTube that has often pretty good economics and finance analysis called The Plain Bagel. And he's a very smart guy. I'm not in any way challenging his knowledge or credentials. He made a video criticizing and the concept of de-dollarization and calling for caution. And I do agree with some of the points he made. For instance, it is absolutely true that YouTube is full of a bunch of crazy snake oil salesmen who want you to think that the dollar is going to be toilet paper soon, there's going to be hyperinflation in the US, that you need to sell everything you own and invest in Bitcoin and gold and silver. Those people are obviously ridiculous. I deeply disagree with them. I think they're all grifters. Most of them have heavily invested in things like Bitcoin and gold and silver. So it's in their own financial interest to encourage other people to invest in that and raise the value of their investments. Unlike them, I am not an investor. I think most investors are honestly just parasitic speculators who are just seeking rents, uh, rent extraction so they don't have to actually do real work. I will never try to sell you an investment. I am deeply against that ideologically. And I, I, I'll also add, by the way, that I've received several emails from companies that do investments in gold and silver and 
even art, uh, these companies that, that advertise on YouTube a lot and they've asked to advertise on my channel and I've always said no, I'm never going to do sponsored ads or any of that, especially for things like investments. So I wanna make that all entirely clear. My goal is to educate people, to inform them about the major geopolitical and economic changes in the world. I'm never gonna to try to sell you anything except maybe the idea that imperialism is bad. That's the only thing I'm gonna to try to sell you. So yes, all of that said, I absolutely agree that there are a lot of grifters on YouTube who want you to think that the sky is falling and the dollar is gonna be worthless next week. That said, just because there's a bunch of crazies on YouTube saying that doesn't mean that there is a significant drive toward de-dollarization in the world. I've always made it very clear in my reports, in my analysis, that I'm not one of those people who think that thinks that the dollar is going to become worthless soon. However, the idea that the dollar is always going to be the global reserve currency is ridiculous. The idea that the, the, that the dollar is going to always be the hegemonic currency used in the majority of international trade held in, uh, in central banks, foreign exchange reserves, the, the most commonly used currency for investment, for loans, for finance, that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we can look at, for instance, at the peak of the British Empire, there were a lot of people who were ideologically invested in the idea that the pound sterling was going to forever be the global reserve currency. It dominated international trade and finance, maybe not at the same level as the US dollar, but of course we all know what happened with the gradual decline and eventually the collapse of the British Empire in World War II, the pound sterling system was replaced with US dollar hegemony and its days are numbered as well. So I do agree with the plain bagels argument that we shouldn't overstate this process of de-dollarization, but I think he's also understating and downplaying just how significant the shift is that we're seeing in the world. And it's gonna be something that happens not in, in a few months, not even in a year or two, probably a decade, 20 years. But by 2050, the world is going to be completely unrecognizable compared to the world today. Not only with the geopolitical shifts and the rise of so-called emerging markets in the global south, which are economically leading growth around the world, but also with the use of other currencies and international payment mechanisms. And I mean, if you look at the world in the 1930s, economically and trade patterns and the use of certain currencies and the holding of certain assets and reserves, and then you looked at the world in 1950 or 1960, it would be completely unrecognizable. And I think that we're going through a similar historical stage. Now, another point that the plain bagel made in his video, which where I think he's a little misguided, is he compared the euro to the BRICS system's potential attempt to create a new global reserve currency. There have been several reports, this has been confirmed by South Africa's foreign minister, that the BRIC system of Brazil, Russia, India, and China, and South Africa are working on creating a new global reserve currency to challenge the hegemony of the US dollar. Now, in his video, the plain bagel said that this would be unreasonable or very improbable because the different members of the BRIC system all have extremely different monetary policy, especially China, of course. And if you look at, for instance, the interest rates of their various central banks, which are very different, or capital flows, you know, China, for instance, has a lot of capital controls and controls tightly manages its capital account. But I think that's the wrong way of thinking about it. If you listen closely to what 
BRICS members have been saying, and they haven't said a lot publicly, but when they have said things publicly, they're not planning on creating a currency to use for their domestic economies. They're not certainly not going to use it for domestic transactions. The idea is to create an international unit of account for international trade. And the idea is that we've seen thus far from reports is that it will potentially be based on a basket of currencies of the members of the BRICS and or potentially a basket of different commodities. There are a lot of people highlighting gold because there are a lot of grifters who are trying to get you to invest in gold. But gold is only one of several commodities that is being considered in the basket of commodities and currencies that would back the BRICS currency for international trade and for the use in reserves to replace the dollar. This idea is actually very similar to something that already does technically exist, which is the International Monetary Fund's special drawing rights, the SDRs. However, the problem is that the IMF is dominated by the United States. It has always been a very biased institution. Only the United States has veto power. Everyone knows that the IMF is essentially a political organ dominated by Washington. So the point is that this idea already exists, but the plan that we've seen from reports that the BRICS is deliberating is whether or not to create its own alternative to the SDRs, which is not dominated by the US like the IMF is. And it's also the same, by the way, in Latin America. The Plain Bagel mentioned that in Latin America, Brazil and Argentina are working on creating a new currency for international trade within the region. But again, this is not going to be the currency that is used domestically in Brazil or in Argentina for transactions. So the Plain Bagel, he compared it to the Euro system, but the Eurozone system is completely different. Greece, for instance, which has suffered under the austerity measures imposed by the euro system, and especially because uh, countries like Germany, which is the de facto leader of the eurozone, has a massive current account surplus and exports so much. So what that means is that that Germany very much benefits from the system, whereas countries that have current account deficits and can't have a sovereign monetary policy that prevents them from being able to stimulate their economy, for instance, you know, as traditional Keynesian economics shows that if you're in a moment of a recession, the government should stimulate demand locally in the economy, because if you don't, if you actually impose austerity and cut spending into the economy, it's going to have a feedback loop that is going to lead to more and more recession as people's wages decline and spending declines and demand declines. The point is that anyway, that that system in which Greece has suffered at the expense of countries like Germany and France, that's not what is being considered in the BRICS. That's not what's being considered in Latin America with the discussion of the creation of a currency. In fact, if you listen to Latin American economists who are involved in the research and planning of this new system, they say very clearly it's based on the idea proposed by John Maynard Keynes in the Bretton Woods Conference in 1944, in which he called for the so-called Bond Corps, which is an international unit of account that uses an international clearing union to help balance of payments issues for countries. And he also proposed different ideas that would prevent countries that have large current account surpluses and export a lot like Germany from being able to just simply stockpile more and more in its reserves at the expense of other countries. Now, at the same point, I also want to stress that that China has made no indication whatsoever that it plans on replacing the U.S. dollar and it, that it wants the renminbi to be 
the hegemonic global reserve currency. No, what we're going to actually see is a move toward a multipolar currency world, a multipolar economic and political world in which more currencies are used in international trade and held as foreign exchange reserves and used to invest in other securities and other assets. But the, the Chinese, the Chinese government has made no indication that it simply wants to be hegemonic. That's pure projection of what the United States and what Britain before it did, the US and British empires. China wants a multipolar world. They constantly speak about that. And furthermore, the Chinese government is still socialist and it's not going to be opening its capital markets just freely like the United States. It's not going to lift capital controls. It's not going to just let the renminbi freely float. It's still going to maintain tight control over its monetary policy. So anyway, yes, the point is that I disagree with the chicken little sky is falling people buy gold in this Bitcoin speculation bubble that's going to burst sometime soon. Obviously, those people are not serious, but we should definitely take seriously the reports of de-dollarization. It is happening quickly, faster than a lot of people thought, and it's going to continue, especially as the new Cold War heats up. And that is, unfortunately, I don't say this with optimism, I don't say this hopefully, I mean, I, I think it's very tragic, but the United States has made every indication that the Cold War is only going to accelerate. The tensions are going to get greater and greater, especially over Taiwan, where the U.S. is supporting separatist forces. The U.S. just sent hundreds of troops to Taiwan. The U.S. is trying to sell more and more weapons to Taiwan. And of course, we also see a, a complete refusal by NATO and Western powers to support peace talks to end the proxy war in Ukraine. Russia, by the way, has said, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov told Brazil when he visited Brazil this April and met with Brazil's foreign minister and met with President Lula da Silva, Lavrov said that Russia supports peace talks to end the war. And they would be willing to end the war immediately, but it's the West, it's NATO that refuses to engage in any serious negotiations. It's For them, it's just not even a possibility. So what that means is all the geopolitical momentum is in the direction toward de-dollarization. More of it, not less of it. And we see this acknowledged in mainstream media reports more and more. So as always, I will be back soon for more reporting my name is Ben Norton. I'm the editor-in-chief of Geopolitical Economy Report. If you like the work that we do here, please consider going to geopoliticaleconomy.com support, or you can go to patreon.com slash geopoliticaleconomy and become a patron. We have no big donors. We have no big institutional sponsors. As I said earlier, I am not never going to do sponsored content, especially from companies calling for you know, investments and such. I'm ideologically opposed to that. I think it's unprincipled. I also think, think it, you know, as a journalist, I think it's corruption. And also, before I conclude here, please, if you're watching on YouTube or whatever platform, please subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe as well. I will see you all next time. Thanks a lot.